last time on Dice Funk. The crowd out there, they're loving us right now. We're the hottest thing right now. Why don't we why don't we send the crowd home happy? A three-way blood match between Kill Club, Desert Dragons, and Sea Shanty. You held an actual gun at my head and pulled the trigger, so um, yeah, no, my my hate's at you. <laughs> So you throw a very bad fireball, it actually gives away your position. He does like a SWAT roll and plugs Frank, shoots him right in the stomach, and he goes down. We were just in the wrestling match. A bunch of people saw us. We're supposed to be here. Katarina will vouch for us. I would hope so that that, that, that works as a cover is he just for no reason shot us. Can I run and try to give him my finisher for real this time and try to knock him out that way? And Katarina does a flying knee into his mouth. Uh, it snaps in the other direction, and he goes down. Can I Can I scramble for his gun? Absolutely. He's in no condition. <laughs> I-, I was just going to use Mage Hand to pick it up and put it in one of his compartments. Are these, like, code names or something? I don't know who T.I. is or Ash. Ash is a person that that I know and knows me. And if they're in town, then that's bad news for me and anyone else. Sorry about this, and just start boom, boom. Yeah, you just start, you headbutt her face, uh, and but can I say I headbutt her and catch like part of her teeth at one point, so I like get a gash in the forehead, start bleeding. Ed, Ed is going to point at the, the demon and sort of shout out, "Hey, that's no way to treat the hometown favorite." I think it's time for us to cut in, and he sort of flicks out, and like the the knife kind of pops out in his hand. Yeah, um, where should we start? There's actually more going on than I think may be readily apparent. As we left this adventure, it was going to be Sea Shanty, Katarina, Krakenbane, Brooks, and Noise Machine, aka Renee Eddy, against Blood Maw the Invincible, the Barl Gura demon, inside the ring. Um, but outside of the ring, Frank Westerly and <laughs> Lenora Desmond are in the locker room, and there is stuff going on there too. Uh-oh. Um, I think we should start in the locker room real quick. Just maybe a short intro scene, cold open. Mm. Uh, the medic goes over to Frank, uh, finishes up uh, doing healing spells, waving the magic uh, paramedic wand. The bullet comes out of his tummy and the wound closes over. And the medic hands you the bullet and asks if you want to keep it. Yeah, why wouldn't I keep it? It's a, it's a good souvenir of a, an eventful night. <laughs> Paramedic nods, has definitely heard that before, uh, rummages around in their bag, puts away their equipment, and hands you a bill. Ah, uh, is this not a, is this not a fun, see, here's, here's the problem, is, uh, I'm gonna go out of character, the problem here is, because I am someone from the UK, I always forget <laughs> that, like, not free healthcare <laughs> is a thing i'm i'm just like oh it's a fantasy world why would you make your fantasy world not have this basic necessity that that we have where i live (laughs) that is a uniquely american sci-fi conceit the idea that they would pay they would force you to pay for being injured isn't it Mm. oh Mm. surely surely you know if this happens it does this venue not have insurance taken out on the the competitors and as such surely your uh, event your your uh, building insurance should cover this uh the medic just shrugs and walks away 
It's not that's not their job. They're not the payroll person. Did did we ever establish when setting up the character whether Frank has ever paid into a health insurance plan? <laughs> we have not specifically <laughs> talked about that, although there is definitely a sense that all of you have money troubles we've talked about. We'll get into that more specifically, but I just want to establish that that's a thing right now. How how ridiculous of a bill are we talking? Oh. If I say a number, people will think I'm exaggerating how much it costs to get shot in America, because that is my reference point. Again, is 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 this just me not knowing enough about America? Apolo- apologies for my lack of America knowledge. Surely, like, if a police officer shoots you and you don't get convicted <laughs> of a crime, <laughs> surely you're not responsible for the medical bills for that, right? Jeez, ah, uh, jeez. I, th- I, I, th- I think this is a, a very nice little bit of the... <laughs> Of asking a question and getting a, a a lawsuit just left right at it. <laughs> we'll get we'll talk about money more specifically later because you guys are sitting on half a million dollars in computer parts. So if you can get a fence, all of this will go away. Bye. But it's something to think about how all of you are in very deep trouble. Okay. We got a very hot. We got a very deep Metropolis vibe going on here. Just just a little bit here. I mean, I haven't made any secret of the politics of this season, but I do want to just point out real quick that uh, while it definitely feels like I'm preaching a little bit, I, if you, <laughs> I'm also drawing on a lot of very real stuff. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the concept of the company town. Um, this was very, oh yeah, very widely uh, practiced in America for a long time. It's less so now, but the idea that uh, one company controls a town is not something I just made up. Mm. It's a very real thing that happened. Mm-hmm. Like everybody in this town works at the mill right. or in the a factory at the bottling plant yeah um and mm-hmm. i mean in florida uh we are keenly aware of stuff like this how you guys heard of celebration florida oh geez um <laughs> if you ever go there it has a really really creepy vibe yes it's it's like the it's like the 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 example of a fully manufactured community i went there during their christmas shenanigans it was weird they like they had like Ice laid out the ground for people to skate around on, kind of sort. And I was just like, what's going on, man? This is just, this feels too Americana for its own good. Listeners have compared the Crown Corporation to Disney before, and that wasn't intentional, but it's definitely something I've been thinking about a lot recently because, as most people know, Disney has bought like ABC, ESPN, uh, Fox Films, and they're, they're slowly eating up every other company. But in addition to that, they founded an entire town in Florida called Celebration Florida. Uh, reading from the Wikipedia page, which I pulled up while Sketch was talking, uh, quote, voting is restricted to local landowners. The largest landowners are entities controlled by the Walt Disney Company. Yep. So Valentine is is an exaggeration of very real things. And I don't I mean, part of that's just my insecurity talking being like, no, I swear there's, <laughs> I didn't, it's, just, it's not that bad. I'm not that unsubtle. But no, I mean, I've, ju- I've just kind of uh, made everything more intense and more exaggerated. But all of the all, a lot of the stuff is actually scarily grounded. Mm-hmm. And that is my soapbox. So <laughs> uh, Frank, you get uh, a bill for being shot. Well, that is a new experience for me in D and D. So, uh, are you guys doing anything else in the locker room? Because you hear out, uh, you know, down the ramp in the in the ring, it's it's going down. This is the final fight for the belt. Is our police officer friend still in the locker room, beat up as as he is? 
Uh, Lenora mind spiked him. So she actually knows where he is. He laid out in the hallway bleeding from his face for a while. And then he very slowly got up and crawled away and out, out of the King Coliseum. He does not appear to be inside the building anymore. Bye, bitch. It is, it is nothing serious. I was literally just going to like go and find him and try and use suggestion on him to make him pay for this medical bill because he is the one who <laughs> shot me. But like that can wait until next time I see him, I guess. Um, it's worth noting you have full health now. Frank, you didn't get your spell slots back, but... I had better be if I incurred a medical bill for it. <laughs> <laughs> I love the, the genuine outrage in Laura's voice. It gives me a lot of hope. Again, this is what you get when you have one English person on the podcast, and then out of nowhere you introduce, uh, you you have a medical bill for being shot by the police. <laughs> Next, we're going to take you to a retail store and have you realize, wait a minute, the price on the shelf doesn't include taxes. That, that still blows my mind <laughs> that the price on the shelf is not the price that you pay. What is wrong with you, America? Sales tax not included. So back in the ring is actually uh, Noise Machine's turn in the order. It's uh, Renee Eddy first, and then it is Blood Maw the Invincible, and then it is Katarina Krakenbane, who is in a rage. So Ed, Ed's going to kind of dash in, do fun spinning knife tricks with his with his knives, which he, uh, as a side note, he can't get disarmed of these knives. They're just you know part of his body. Anyways. First roll today. And makes a stab attack and botches fantastic Ooh, i like this um well there's there's two angles for this i mean we're already in a blood match so like attacks are supposed to hit and do damage mm-hmm. i like to think of this being like ed tries to stab it hits the floor and like his momentum causes him to like tumble forward and be knocked prone plus whatever else you want to throw in there basically like he just completely whiffs on the attack all right, yeah. So you go to run at him with your knives. You're yelling defenses of the desert dragons because you want to keep your yep. reputation with the crowd going. And uh, you miscalculate your attack on the, what is basically a gorilla mixed with an orangutan, just like an enormous muscle-bound mm-hmm. demonic ape creature. You swing too wide and you go sprawling. He basically uh, knocks you down too. He like, uses your own momentum against you like a bullfighter, throws you to the ground and you go sprawling. And it is actually uh, Blood Maw's turn. So taking up from that... Uh, he is going to just lift you bodily off the ground and throw you into the air. So make a dexterity saving throw from this attack. Mm, okay. 10, So which probably is not enough. Not enough. So what happens is you fall on the ground. He grabs you, throws you up in the air, and on your way down, he jumps and choke slams you, which is a wrestling move where he grabs you by the throat and uses your momentum to slam you into the canvas. Mm-hmm. Uh, only five damage. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, you feel in his muscles that he is clearly holding back. Mm-hmm. You get the sense that he could have driven you through the stage and into the floor, probably, if he had gone all out. Mm-hmm. But uh, Blood Maw is holding back. You don't have a great sense of his personality yet. Mm-hmm. But you know demons are creatures made from actual metaphysical evil and chaos. That's not like a metaphor or, or like a morality or ethical judgment. Oh, sure, sure, sure. <laughs> it's just the physics of this universe. And there is like malevolence there, but it, he's holding it back. So he slams you in a pretty safe way. Mm-hmm. Uh, you take five damage and it is Katarina's turn. I am going to try to attack him because that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to win. So uh, 10 and a 21. 21 hits. Five damage. Minimum damage. I gave him his choke slam of his own. <laughs> All right. So everybody's choke slamming everyone. It's like a human centipede of choke slams. Uh, <laughs> it's just a very good sentence. Um, 
I love this. It is uh, Renee's turn. So he's going to try to stab Blood Maw the Invincible's leg, just kind of as a way to sort of get get him to back off. Oh, wow. Eight. It's not a botch, but it's not a not a hit again. No, you stab forward with a knife, and it just slides off the fur and muscle. Um, it's like the skin may as well be armor. Um, Skitch, you are familiar enough with D&D to know that demons are very hard to hit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is Blood Maw's turn now, and he lifts both of his arms up in the air as if to bring them crashing down on you and smush you into tiny little giblets, at which point uh, there's actually interference as the Desert Dragons, Argent, and Aurum uh, jump over the ropes and grab Blood Maw's arms and try to hold them back. Um, they're both like messed up and like bleeding and heaving tired breaths because <laughs> they were thrown out of the ring brutally, um, but they're interfering now, so he does not smash you on this turn, and it is Katarina's turn. So I got a 12 and a 24 for my attack rolls. Oh, uh, you actually get advantage because uh, he's being grappled. We'll do the 24 for the first one. The second hit's a 20 or a 25, or sorry, 20. Yep, 24 and 20 hit. Damn. It is going to be 12, 7, so 19 damage total. I want to... Uh, like jump up and knee him in the face and he doesn't go down so then i land and i go bounce off the ropes and i run and i do it again and that time he goes down actually it may it might take seven or eight times i just want to keep kneeing him in the face so yeah what's the storyline you're like all right here comes my finisher okay well i didn't really finish it so it's more well, of like it, a- it's it's not exactly a finisher because you know that that's no selling at that point but i'm like going up and like uppercutting him in the face or like jumping tackling him. he doesn't fall down so it's like all right, we'll get up and try this again. And every like every time, like you get up and do like the run, it's like the crowd's like, oh, and then you know, hits him, just falls to the ground again. Like, all right, we'll try this one more time. This time, yeah. So you're hitting him with really good, solid blows. You've done 26 damage so far, and I mean, it definitely looks like it hurt. Um, but he also looks like he has like superhuman endurance. Obviously, he's not a human. That's a meaningless sentence. But <laughs> uh, I watched a lot of Undertaker matches in preparation for this arc. So if we're on the same page, I feel like, oh yeah, okay. Good. He, he has this superhuman air of unhurtability to him. Exactly. That's what's going on right here. Mm. Uh, and it is Noise Machine's turn again. Uh, noise Machine's going to do basically a, a kip up to get back on his feet now that, you know, he's not being loomed over. And as part of the motion, he plants, spins, and tries to do a, a flashy slash up across his opponent's chest. Let's see if this will land. 18. Yes, that does hit you. And I'll remember you get advantage because he's grappled. 18 will hit. <laughs> yep. Um, and the damage he'll actually do is 1d4. I'm going to take sneak attack in here as well because I'm not going to have much chance to do a lot of damage anyway. So that's a bonus d6 since there's allies adjacent to the enemy. So that's a total of 13 damage on that. All right. You finally actually draw blood as you stab into his unprotected stomach with his arms busy with the d- desert dragons. So you've You've done 39 damage now. Pretty good. You guys are getting some solid shots on. It is now Blood Maw's turn, and he is going to throw off the Desert Dragons again. Like, not all into the stands again, but outside of the, the ring, and uh, turns to you, Noise Machine. He's very upset with you, and is going to try to do ru- a running Superman punch on you. <laughs> He's a Roman Reigns. I get that reference. That hits. 23. Oh, shit, he is Roman Reigns. <laughs> Six damage. Once again, he punches you in the face and you feel uh, it pull back the last second before the follow through snaps your neck. 
Yeah, and and Ed will follow through and taking the hit and just go prone immediately afterwards because I mean that was a that was a solid hit there. And it is Kraken Bane's turn again. All right. Uh, well, I botch my first roll. Oops. And a nineteen for the second one. How are we gonna? So the first attack was with your uh, prop trident, was it? Harpoon, but yeah. Have, have a hit, Ed. <laughs> have a hit, Ed. Why not? I mean, he's right there. All right, so you're running in. You're in a barbarian rage. You go running towards Blood Maul with your harpoon. Blood Maul moves out of the way, and you accidentally stab Ed, and then you do a spinning hit, and you hit him. You hit Blood Maul at the second. So roll damage for both: one for your friend and one for your enemy. That's ten to Ed. And seven to Blood Maw. Both of them seem pretty hurt at this point. <laughs> I bet Ed's pretty low. Uh, Ed's at two hit points currently. Oof. Not good. It is Ed's turn. What Ed will do is basically just spend his main action just doing another attack against him to try to hopefully end the fight. So 13, probably not enough. Uh, actually is enough. Wow. Okay. Um, Here's the thing. You go run at uh, Blood Maw with a knife, and uh, it, when it makes contact with the skin, it doesn't break it, and then you feel Blood Maw push himself forward. Then I'll take the damage as well. That's going to be nine damage on that attack. So you stab Blood Maw again, and you hear him kind of go, Ugh, nice, uh, <laughs> under his breath. And then it is Blood Maw's turn, and he um, picks you up again. And th- this time you actually hear him say, you ready? Uh. Uh, and he throws you up in the air again. Uh, dexterity saving throw. Shit. Well, let's hope I get this. Ah. Natural 20. Wow. So you crit. So he throws you up in the air on your way down. He does a jumping, spinning pile driver, some straight up street fighter shit. And you perfectly, uh, take the blow to not take any damage with a crit. You negate the damage as you properly position your shoulders on the mat on the way down. It's it's a move that's designed to look like he breaks your neck, slamming you upside down on the mat with all the uh, momentum of you falling out of the sky, and it does zero damage. Two things. One, uh, I'm so glad my first level was in Rogue anyway, just because the deck saving so proficiency helps with that, I feel. And secondly, uh, he's going to totally just sell, just like being just like knocked out of commission almost by that hit. That's really good. So the crowd's all very worried about Noise Machine because he was just brutally spinning pile drivered. <laughs> and everyone's like, oh, no. And then there's a kid in the front row is like, oh, <laughs> Do I know this kid? It's the kid you gave your hat to. Oh, okay. You didn't say the kid. You just said a kid. The kid. Capital T, capital K. Oh, uh, okay. So if uh, Noise Machine is pretending to be knocked out, then it is Katarina's turn. Blood Maw the Invincible has just knocked out your partner. He looks pretty beat up, though. Uh, so I'll do my attacks 22 and 25. Yeah, both of those hit. Okay, so uh, well, let me just roll the damage real quick for them. Jeez. Uh, 14 and 8, so 22. Uh, I want to say, like, Katarina uh, sees her friend go down in the narrative, so she picks up her weapon, runs at uh, Blood Maw, stabs him with her her spear kicks the spear further in <laughs> and then as he recoils down jumps up and gives him the other end of a stunner okay wow yeah i mean <laughs> this guy's a demon so your very worst isn't actually in danger of killing this dude so actually this is a great opportunity to, to really buckle down and do some tremendously painful looking shit to a dude so he's like looking at you like 
Damn! <laughs> as you do this, as you spear this dude and then do like another spinning attack on him. Katarina's bleeding too from uh, the headbutts to Wendy. So she's got that uh, uh, gladiator kind of vibe going on. Yeah, she has color because she cut her forehead and she's got that mask of blood. And she's also in a barbarian rage. So it looks like you really went like full crying barbarian to, to avenge your friend. It's quite an image. So you have defeated uh, Blood Maw the Invincible. But just as you stand victorious over your, fo- over your foe with your harpoon down into his chest for real, <laughs> um, you see the gold dragonborn crawling up onto the ring, like pulling himself over the ropes. He like falls and lands on his back and is trying to get up. The crowd is like cheering him on. Like this is the heroic last wind. And he wants to get in there because you remember you promised Diego to set them up for uh, some kind of uh, storyline for the next pay-per-view. If he's crawling over, he's, he's struggling to get up. I want to walk over to him. Mm-hmm. I want to bend down. And I'm going to offer my hand like a noble warrior to help him up so that we as good heroes can have an honorable last fight. Oh, yes, of course. The the most honorable combat between someone who's in a berserker rage covered in blood and a guy who just got three bones broken by a demon. <laughs> well, I won't be in the berserker rage anymore because to, to remain in a rage, I would have had to have either hit him or like punched myself in the face. So this is the yeah, this is this is like that moment of like all the the blood fury goes away in, in, in response to having an honorable fight. Oh yeah. Your eyes lock. And as the rage ebbs from you, uh, he reaches up and takes your hand and pulls himself up unsteadily, barely able to stand. And he nods. All right. I'm going to punch him in the face a couple times. If it's my turn, (laughs) (laughs) I would hope so. (laughs) Dice. Uh, 13 and 10, 13 hits, uh, seven damage. All right, you punch him square in the face and he stumbles to the side, falls to a knee and then slowly gets back to his feet struggling and he goes to punch you. He has disadvantage because he has like several broken uh, ribs. Uh, Seven. That is a miss. Yeah. So he tries to punch you and you dodge out of the way. Well, I'm going to I'm going to sell it, though, like he did hit and like I'm on my kind of like my last ropes as well. Oh, okay. Uh, All right. Uh, then I will, I want to try something different because I don't have enough key points to actually do my wrestling finisher anymore. I used all those to fucking knock out graves. What points well spent. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So instead of doing that, I want to say Katarina is going to attempt a new finisher of hers, which is a top rope maneuver. And, uh, I guess I need to roll to see if I can hit him to like knock him down to set up for this. Okay. So 15. That hits. But after that, like she gets him on the ground, she's going to go up to the top turnbuckle and do what she is going to call the cannonball barrage, where she is going to leap off, curl herself into a cannonball like shape. Basically, like you're going into a pool, but in the last moment, like expand to hit like with a body slam instead. Sick. Uh, and Diego the whole time is going like, this could go either way. They're fighting with every ounce of their strength. And oh, what's going on? She's getting up on the ropes. And like to try to make it as intense as possible as you get up there. 22. That hits. <laughs> so it's a real fucking flourishing like move. Yep. And so you do your cannonball barrage on your downed opponent, finishing him and winning the match. And the crowd flips the fuck out and all, they're already like lizard folk with the belt running to the, the ring. But there's like 
cr the crowd is like busted through like the first row and they're getting up in there and it's like all bedlam is happening and Diego's still announcing but you can't hear him over the din and he's l left his booth because he wants to come talk to you. Uh, are you gonna try to give like a speech or anything as you st stand up off of your defeated opponent? I'm going to look out for the belt. Like I'm gonna try to find that. Uh, assuming like a ref comes to give it or something like that. Yeah, there's just some, some nondescript uh, lizard folk uh, security personnel. They don't actually use refs. We ha I haven't talked about refs at all because it's just assumed that if you try to cheat, like magic will happen. Gotcha. So yeah, there's just uh, two lizard folk in security guard uniforms that the other team, team loser could have fought if they would have tried to go through that door. Uh, but now they have the belt, which is just a, it's not like an amazing looking belt. It's clearly gilded with just like one thin flaky layer of gold over kind of a cheap looking thing, but it has like tag tournament champion written on it. And there's a, you know, a big stylish, uh, like V for Valentine on it. And it's okay. Mm -hmm. You've seen better. Yeah. Well, well, Katarina is not going to act like she's seen better. She's going to act <laughs> like she is holding the Holy Grail in her hands. And it's going to be a moment where she's like in the ring, like on her knees, like holding a belt, like kind of at her knees and just crying up a storm Aww. over the fact that she has managed to climb over that mountain and finally get to the top. Because this is this is a, a moment of her dreams, basically, even if it is all for the, the sake of stealing a belt for a bunch of douchey fucking corporate people uh, laying on the mat. Uh, Blood Maw pulls the harpoon out of his chest and like rolls off of Ed's <laughs> leg. He's like, sorry about that, dude. I was just I had to stay still because I was dead. <laughs> Uh, no problem. Uh. uh, by the way, Ed is going to use a subtle spell, um, to cast minor illusion to make it look like, um, that his body's like sparking a little bit and looks like that it's, you know, been damaged a bit more than it actually is just as an extra little bit of a writer. And Blood Maw hands you the harpoon to give back to Cat and just kind of like tries to sneak away. He's like way too big to do it effectively, but he's like trying to get out of the spotlight so Cat can have her moment. Does he just, like, roll off the stage? That is 100% what wrestlers do when they lose a match. They need to leave the ring for the opponent to have their moment. Is they just roll <laughs> themselves out of the ring. But he's the side of, like, a Ford minivan. So <laughs> Ed will use the, was it a trident, right? No, harpoon. Yeah, he'll use the harpoon to pull himself up onto his feet and kind of stagger over and offers the harpoon back to Katarina while she's there with her belt. Uh, she'll take the harpoon, stand up, basically hand Ed the belt with one hand, and then grab onto his other hand and raise it into the air in victory, and uh, scream out, SAIL ON! Out into the crowd. And the crowd yells it back at you. Even Diego gets in on it because he knows those uh, that's it's trending right now. He's, he knows there's water bottles to sell later on. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so do you have a speech you want to make? There's like people pushing microphones in your face. Uh, do you, is there anything else you want to do? Or is you just kind of like basking in it as the crowd like jostles you around and everyone's cheering? Uh, yeah, I think that's a moment best left for the visual of what's happened. Speeches, that's a Monday Night Raw thing. No one really cares about them <laughs> that much anyway. <laughs> you don't want to ruin a good match with a bad promo. That's true. Uh, so back in the locker room, you guys hear this. It's not a secret that it's over and Katarina has won everyone's uh, jubilant. Um, and you guys are like, oh, I guess we're getting ready to go. That's pretty cool. Uh, at which point uh, the wrestler known as Veltari the third walks back into the locker room from what you know is like the hallway, not from the wrestling arena side. Nice legs. They look like they're good for kicks. 
<laughs> uh, she says, uh, yeah, like like the wrestling thing. I get it. You, you, you're seeming a bit bummed out. Not bummed. Uh, I, there's like a hundred cops outside. Uh, hmm. Is that about your, is that about your tummy thing? One of them shot me for absolutely no reason, and they cannot prove otherwise, and I'm just gonna... I, I think I should better go. Well, I, I mean, I wanted to go home, but they said I'm not allowed to leave, and they all have assault rifles, so I guess I'm stuck here. Oh, bummer. Mmm. This is no- Oh, actually, this is not as bad a situation as I might have first thought, because I can turn invisible. <laughs> oh, yeah, I can disguise myself. Veltaria just, like, looks concerned because she wants to go home and sleep, but she can't because the building is being surrounded by all the SWAT personnel in South Valentine. Mmm. You guys aren't safe from the game until you get back to Beatrice. That's, like, home base and tag. Until you get back to Beauregard Textiles, you are kill on sight. If the, like, end condition is the belt is it has been taken back to home base... Can the people who've legitimately won the belt and there is no reason to claim that they stole it, can they just go leave and take the belt back? I mean, presumably Graves went and got a SWAT team and said, hey, there are four people. I need you to shoot them. Don't ask questions. What grounds does he have to not let the people who legitimately won the belt leave with it? Police. Well, I think just in the way that we also kind of got the belt through the non-expected way of doing it. This is his non-expected way of making sure we don't leave with the belt. I wonder if there are, like, tunnels we can go underground. No cops down there. Veltari Third says, yeah, there's a tunnel under the ring where the people bring up, like, ladders and chairs and stuff to hit each other with, but it's dirty in there, and I, I just got my feathers done, so. They look really nice. Thank you. Beautiful feathers. Do you know where that um where that tunnel comes out? I've never been in, but I guess like the the greasy guys use it. So I guess like the greasy guy entrance. The greasy guys? You know, with the lights and the wrenches and the hammers and the moles. Mm. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Are they mole people? Can they be mole people? No, the, no, 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 no. They're just proletariats. That's all they are. That's all they are. Okay, but listen, the way this show works is if you suggest that the stagehands are moles, they're moles now. <laughs> Sorry, no, it's moles. Uh, just the way earlier uh, Frank implied that uh, Algernon Sharp didn't have a mom, so his mom died when he was young. That's a thing that's just true now. When you, yeah. when you inquired if the stagehands were moles, you made them moles, Lauren. Good. That's the magic of role-playing this games. This is the influence I want to have. Yes. So all the people who work on this this production and the you know the crew, the backstage people, are all big humanoid moles with yellow hats and they have safety goggles. <laughs> oh, I love <gasps> They're they're Rossetti. They're all Rossetti. <laughs> yes, King Coliseum is staffed entirely by Rossettis. This whole time locker room Larry <laughs> was a mole man. Also, I love this because it presupposes a world in which Valentine's government is lizard people and there's a secret underground society of mole men. <laughs> All right. Well, okay. We need another uh, conspiracy theory to co-opt for our world building. So we'll have to workshop that for a little bit more later on. 
one of the benefits of having mainly used cantrips in the one fight I took part in is that I do still have a bunch of spell slots left. Tell me the story. Weave me the tale of how you guys got into the trapdoor under the stage and escaped from being gunned down. I just want to say I do give Veltari the third finger guns on my way out. Did you guys exchange information? Did you get her digits? Well, I do now. <laughs> she, say, she says, my name's Sarah, by the way. You can call me Lenora or Nora, but I prefer Lenora. Because that's your name. Yeah, you got it. Cool, 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 cool. Don't get your fur messy in the greasy tunnel. I'll just take a bath if I do. <laughs> okay, it looks like she wants to say something about cats hating water, but then thinks maybe that's racist and then doesn't. Um, and so she sits down. Alright, finger guns out of here, bye. Are there still, like, a bunch of just, like, audience members milling around? Yeah, it's like the end of a Rocky movie. Everyone's, like, super psyched about cat winning, and it's it's a sea of people. In fact, it's so much that you can kind of move unnoticed. Okay, so before we go into the place with all the people, somewhere between the actual, like, main room and the room with the kicks. <laughs> the kick room. <laughs> The kick room. I'm gonna cast my, uh, use my mask of many faces. Mm-hmm. Disguise self. I'm going to disguise myself as a mole man. Oh, you're a mole man? I'm a mole man now, y'all. <laughs> Hell yes. <gasps> oh, oh my goodness. Can I join, can I join in on this with you? Can I also become a mole man? <laughs> do you need permission or is it, I feel like that's something you, you can do as a wizard. Uh, yeah. yeah, Frank, Frank is gonna act activate uh I, what's the flavor on this um the trunk of halloween outfits and turns <laughs> himself into a mole man okay i love this image you two are walking down the long hallway that leads to the ramp out into the wrestling uh, arena and you're walking like the reservoir dogs right just like two cool <laughs> gay ass thieves and like mid stride you both become <laughs> mole people <laughs> They're both Rossetti. Oh my god, just a couple of Rossettis out on a quest. Yes. <laughs> so, like the whole the whole way through, like Frank's gonna be totally playing up the like I am a stagehand thing. So, like while in his cool mole man disguise, he's gonna be you know like he's gonna push like his trousers down slightly so there's a little bit of crack showing. He's like you know burping <laughs> and stuff as he comes out. He's just sort of a bit like uh, get out of the way. I got a goldfish backing up. <laughs> They hear someone in the car go, you see that mole crack? That's wild. <laughs> hey, hey, you be quiet. You don't get, you don't get a show like this without us working behind the scenes, okay? Wow, let's go into the grease tunnel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, it's such, it's so greasy. We're gonna, like, you know, go wait by the stage, by the stage, I think, so that we can maybe be there to help get them out. So you guys walk over to the edge of the stage where there's still a crowd and people have lifted up Katarina on their shoulders and she's like waving and the little kid's like, you inspire me, Katarina! <laughs> Yar, say your prayers, eat your vitamins and go to school every day. Yar. Um, that goes over extremely well. Then I do a guitar solo. <laughs> okay. So that goes over very well, at which point SWAT officers with assault rifles start coming into the arena. Oh, hey, everyone, it's been great to see you, but we've got to get these two to help us get their props under the stage. Just uh, end, end of the show stuff, you know, normal stuff we do at the end of the show. You two, do you mind helping us get your props sorted out under the stage? Good wrestlers clean up their toys. <laughs> <laughs> 
And Diego's like, you tell him safety mole. <laughs> yes, sir. That was my idea, everyone. Safety mole, the mole for safety. It's our mascot for our young workers program. I do a little dance. Ed, Ed just kind of Ed, Ed just kind of gives Diego like a big old thumbs up as he sort of like continues to sell that he's been terribly shooken up from that fight. Shook. Right, right. H- hurry up, you two. Hurry up, you two. Help us get your stuff under the stage. I rolled a four for investigation, so I think these are real more people. <laughs> yeah, you don't even know these are your friends. Yeah. I'm like, I haven't seen these guys before, but, you know. Um, so you're just going to go with them, no questions asked? Are you going to make any attempt to uh, make this exit elegant? Or? Bye. Well, I mean, they they said get your props and stuff down there. So I'm assuming like, oh, they want to maybe pack up the harpoon or something like that. <laughs> if they start like going like, all right, now jump down that tunnel and escape. <laughs> Might be like. So that's what happens, right? Like, so, you, so you're like, okay, I guess I got to follow them. But this is my personal prop. I brought this from home. And then the kids are like, oh, make sure you put away your harpoon, Katarina. It's for safety. The safety mole says so. <laughs> and the second you are under there, we are just like, Guys, it's us. We're moles. Get in the tunnel. <laughs> Still pretty sure these are real mole people, but I'll go along with it. <laughs> Ed agrees. All right, so there's a hatch on the floor. It's locked, uh, but it's just a simple padlock. The real safety moles have a key, mm. but it's too late to get to them. Okay, well, Ed fortunately keeps his thieves' tools on his person at all times. <laughs> he is made of lockpicks. <laughs> His, his lockpicks are in his forearm, his left forearm specifically, so he gets it out, and that is going to be a... Oh, thank God. 20 on that check. You pick it so hard, it unlocks another lock somewhere in the building. <laughs> you don't know how. Quantum entanglement. Locks. Yep. And then Ed, you know, puts the tools back in his forearm like nothing happened, and then moves on into the tunnel with everyone else. All right, so you guys uh, sneak down into uh, the tunnels underneath uh, the main arena, which is where like people come in for like. There's a, a bunch of different uses for this for dramatic surprise entrances for wrestlers who want to like show up in the middle of a match without getting spotted coming down the ramp. Like they said, there's sometimes where they'll bring in weapons from down here as part of like a surprise uh, chair match or something. And there's also just maintenance reasons to be down here. Um, it is not as gross as Veltari made it sound. Um, it's just a if you guys have ever been in like a service entrance, or, like it's just a regular hallway. <laughs> Before we go too far into this hole, um, <laughs> Frank is going to cast Alarm on the trapdoor. Uh, so if any creature goes through that trapdoor, uh, if I'm within a mile of it, I will get a mental ping. What's the flavor for that card? Oh. <laughs> uh, Always screaming. I, I, I need to come up with a name, but I'm thinking like it's the card art is someone with an alarm clock where like, you know, they've clearly woken up late for school and or work. They're running out the door with a piece of toast in their mouth as the, the alarm clock is ringing. <laughs> um, late for school, exclamation point. <laughs> yeah, Frank activates late for school. For a hot second, I thought you were going to say like Flavor Flav, but I was just thinking of his big clock necklace. <laughs> Nice. All right. So you guys are going to make your way through these tunnels here. There's not much going on. No one's here. The technician people already did their job. The show's over. Um, So you guys are walking down here and we've talked about this before in previous seasons, but travel scenes are a good place for like inter party uh, talk. So if there's anything you guys want to bring up or debrief, two of you are moles and two of you have been beaten pretty badly. I think Ed has two hit points. Yep. And Kat, what are you at? Uh, 35. (laughs) 
Ba- are barely surviving, Katarina. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm struggling over here. So, um, here's, here's the thing, guys. Um, two, two thoughts I have from, from that um, mission. Um, first of all, capitalism is kind of fucked. And two, really fucking sucks that the police can shoot you and then you get the bill for it. Also, you know, um, I got shot by a police officer and, and, and crime suddenly doesn't feel quite as fun as it did, like, you know, two days ago. But how are you all doing? All things considered, I think we did pretty good. Uh, says the one who doesn't have the medical bill. I, I kind of told you that, you know, this was not all fun and, and games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you didn't warn me I was going to get shot. So, you know, now I know. I can elaborate more later, but for now, I'm just happy I didn't get completely wrecked on stage there. I barely made it out. How how did I look, Katarina? You were very good. And Katarina's saying this as she's, like, clutching the title. Like, it's, like, her child that she will never let anyone take away from her. Like, like fingers, like, ripped around it. You realize you're gonna have to give that thing up in a minute, right? Yeah. But not a moment before then. Okay, okay. Aw. Yeah, I knew you could do it. I am able... I'm quite good at conjuring things out of nothing. I can can make you a belt that looks like this if it would be a nice memento. (laughs) I mean, thanks, but the belt itself, I mean, this is just a strap with gold on it. I mean, I'm not a mark, but this belt means that I can keep doing my dream. So that's really what's so important about it. Well, I know, but like, if you ever just want to like hold the nice shiny piece of metal again for like an hour and go, yeah, well, I can do that. But keep that in mind. What if I want to hold it? Okay, I can also make you one, and not at the same time, but <laughs> if you want to use it and you're not already using it, I'll make you the belt. Yes. I can even make your, <laughs> your version of the belt say something cool about drugs on it. <laughs> <laughs> We'll have to talk about this later on, and I've already explained this a bit to Kat, but there might be some other complications we'll have to deal with aside from the police sometime down the line. It's it's personal business catching up to me. As you say that, you guys reach the end of these tunnels. Uh, you see ahead of you there's a door out, like a service exit that only the workers here use, and it has like employees only. Do not use door or will sound alarm on it, and so the police are not outside of it, and that is your way out. Um, but there's someone standing in front of that door. Oh, who is it? Who is it? The person in front of the door, and they are in a kind of dim halogen light glow. It's like the, this place isn't well lit because no one's supposed to be down here. And so at first, you only see the their vague outline. Um, they're an incredibly uh, slender, lithe figure. And as you get a little closer, you can make out their features more clearly. This person is a warforged, which is humanoid. <laughs> But not as human as Eddie, who is clearly based on a human, like mouth and eyes and all that. Uh, this thing is vaguely human shaped, but it does not have eyes or a mouth. And it's it seems like it was deliberately made to be kind of like a blank slate. Maybe something that could, like illusions could be projected over to create different uh, effects. Um, and this this figure, who it's like a very tall, thin robot. I'm going to I'm going to float a phrase to describe this person. I just I want everyone to like kind of just let it settle on you a little bit, just sit with it for a second before you really give me feedback. Tell you tell tell me how it makes you feel. Oh God! That phrase is cyberpunk slender man. I knew it. I knew it. 
Yeah. <laughs> How did you know that? I knew it because he said tall, he said life, and you and you had to put so much of a setup yeah, before you I said it. You. We just we do we do. I was I would I thought I was ready for you to say it, and then it happened, and I just I kind of just like imagining Slenderman with a mohawk. <laughs> I thought you were just describing a very in shape but odd looking Bill Murray. So <laughs> <laughs> we weren't all on your on your trail. If that helps. Okay, uh, so there is a weird robot at the end of this hallway. Ed, you recognize it. Uh-oh. Of course, of course, of course. That makes me feel better about the fact that, like, I wanted Frank to ask, is this a friend of yours? And then I was like, no, nah, that'd be a racist thing to ask. <laughs> but it's not racist because he does know him. Oh, God. I'll say, out of character before um, I get into this, uh, this is just a little bit of a back thing. Um, I did not specify any sort of details for what this character was, partially because I was curious as to where Austin would take this. So, <laughs> uh, and and Ed's probably going to be aware that Ash is probably looking straight at him, isn't he? Oh yeah, he's just is standing at the end of this hallway, looking at the group, not saying a word. It's, I mean, it's off-putting. Don't mind me, just a mole man. Do, 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 do. Sorry to come through, but um. You know, these two just won the competition and the crowd was getting a bit restless back there. So we thought it'd best to try and get them out a bit more of a subtle way. Got them all fast. Got them all fast. You can't. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So this figure who Ed knows is Ash, uh, someone he worked with in the past before, simply says to him. B T five one seven. You are malfunctioning. Uh, Would this be that problem that a little earlier in this tunnel you were telling us about? You, you really should work on not not tipping hands too early there. Uh, uh, I think that, that this guy has forced our hand, so, you know. Ash holds out a hand and says, Come with me, 517. Why? Ash does not acknowledge you, Lenora. Rude! (laughs) He says, The company is under new management. You are a liability here. Your mom's a liability. Uh, (laughs) Okay, you're just going to keep sassing the Slenderman robot. I love it. You're the one that let me go. Um, He has that hand held out as if to, like, try to usher you to come with him. And when you do not come with him, you see something begins to, I'm trying to think of a word that isn't gross, but like exude. Ooze. Extrude. Something comes out of his palm and it's not like a smooth flick, like a, like your blade that you showed earlier on stage, Ed. It, it is, it is a blade, but it pushes out of his palm um, and it's a long, thin needle. Uh, this is actually called a pithing needle. It's a medical equipment used to euthanize animals. Um, you put it through the back of their like head and you sever the spinal cord. It's uh, Whether or not it's humane is controversial, but the idea is uh, cutting someone's throat. Uh, you can actually survive that, but it's loud and messy. Uh, choking someone out could take 10, 20, 30 seconds. Shooting someone in the head, they can survive that. Uh, but if you get stabbed in the right place with a pithing needle, you're done. Bye. It severs your spinal cord, and it, even if you survive, you never move or make a noise again. Uh, and that pushes out of his palm in the like in the same way that you can 
you know, flip out daggers, Mm -hmm. but this is a much colder medical, like creepy version of that. Slenderman, please. As I said, you've already let me go. I'm done with the company. I'm not going back. You are sick. Five, one, seven. I was sick. What I was being put through without my knowledge of it beforehand. Return with me. We will remove the sickness. I don't know what to do. I'm scared of his needle. I have an idea of something that I could maybe do that might help in this situation, but I, I'm very aware that this is Ed's situation here where he knows what's going on and has context, and as such, I'm very much like, I want to stay hands-off until Skitch has done anything he wants to do with this encounter before I try anything. The problem is that Ed's at two hit points. Yeah. You know, I like this a lot because like you're facing down and you're like, oh, this is someone I used to work with back in the old days. We're probably on relatively even ground, but I just got my butt kicked. And so I'm at it like a disadvantage. And that and I think that's interesting narratively is this like, oh, I could do something, but not right now. Uh, Ed's not going to make the first attack because he, he's too he's too hurt to do so. I mean, and. And even a cursory glance would show that Ed needs some time to get kind of fixed up because of how, well, roughed up he got. Can I, can I put myself in between Ed and this person? You can do anything you want. Is that what you do? Yeah, I want. To, I want to put myself between the two. I'm not afraid of your fucking needle. <laughs> I am. Ash just like straightens up. He doesn't retract the pithing needle, but it seems like he uh, acknowledges that Ed is not going to come with him, and it says. I cannot allow you to threaten the company. You are a liability here. If you will not return, I have to destroy you. Frank is going to try casting suggestion. (laughs) So I can suggest a course of activity to magically influence a creature I can see within range. All right. What's your spell save, DC? Uh, 14. 14. 16. Okay, so he does not listen when I I say... I think what I was planning to say was something like, you know, Ed here is in the middle of a, is in the middle of a job. Just like you have to do your thing, he has to finish his job. So surely, you know, he's doing a job, you have to let him finish it because that's how jobs work. Yeah, so you raise up the... I think it was a change of will card to try to sway him. Um, he starts taking a, a couple of strides towards you. He raises his arm with the pithing needle in it. Um, but then stops cold mid-stride and look looks around for a moment, um, as if something has stopped his terminator terminator like determination to stab you through the brain. Um, at which point, Frank, your alarm goes off. Uh, shit, guys. Um, okay, someone's come through that trapdoor, so we need to deal with this situation now. Ed, give me your gun. <laughs> Ed. Uh, opens up the compartment in his chest where he was hiding Graves' gun, gets it out, and hands it to Katarina. And as soon as he can afterwards, we'll be reaching into into the his right pocket where he has a false pocket, which allows him to get access to the pistol hidden in that compartment down there and gets that out as soon as he can. But Katarina has time to do something while she has the gun. I like how Ed is just full of guns. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to point it at Ash. I don't know this or this person's name, actually. So I'm going to point it at the robot person who is being mean. Aww. And I'm going to say, trouble's coming this way. 
We can either sell this at another date, or it can go down right now. You have three <laughs> seconds to make up your mind, and I'm going to roll an intimidate. 16. Damn, gets very good. Ash uh, doesn't even look at you, Katarina. Just says, Five, one, seven, must not fall into crown hands. Go. Look, our fates are all pretty sealed together right now, so it, we ain't letting him go down, so... Thank you. Uh, at which point Frank's just going to start moving. Uh, Ash stays behind. He says go and like takes a step to the side. See you. Smell you later. We, we, we don't really have much choice. I vote we just open the door and run for it. Yep. So you guys slam through the door and start running. And in the background, you hear the sound of automatic machine gun fire <laughs> as the shots go on for... 10 minutes you guys go like several blocks away from king coliseum and they're still going which you think is probably not a good sign if you were thinking about fighting ash straight up in fact i think you get the distinct impression <laughs> he won that fight uh-oh ed will also probably as everyone kind of gets out spend the necessary few seconds to slap long strider on uh, a few people. So basically, he will cast a second level spell slot to put it on, put it on Frank and Lenora, and then spend two l first level slots to cast on himself and Katarina. So everyone's base speed is increased by ten feet for the next hour to make the uh, escape a little bit easier. Yeah, I was going to ask you guys if you do anything uh, uh, during your escape to make it better, but two of you are in disguises and t all of you are now are very fast. And also all of the cops in South Valentine are currently on, <laughs> they're all being called to the scene of uh, a very bad stab attack. This isn't at all how I thought this would go down, but uh, all of the heat that would have uh, made this a daring escape, a daring like chase scene <laughs> through the streets of South Valentine is actually you guys just running away while two of you are moles. Yeah, I was to say, mole man, running the streets. And all the cops I thought were going to fight you are instead fighting the guy who is there to kidnap or kill your friend. I love <laughs> role-playing games. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah. I think you guys <laughs> successfully heisted King Colosseum. Nice. <laughs> the scene cuts to the four of you sitting down in a subway car on the way up to North Valentine where Beauregard Textiles is to hand her the belt. Eddie, you are beat to hell. Frank, you have a bloody stain on the front of your shirt. Um, you're, I think you're holding a spent bullet. Uh, two of you have guns. You just heard the sound of 50 cops get stabbed to death. Uh, how are you guys feeling? Well, Ed's hiding the one gun on his... Per inside of his person, probably both guns, just so that we don't have both guns out in the open. I was gonna say, could I could I grab like a, a like a old sweatshirt out of someone's like garbage or off of their like clothesline, essentially, and just like use that? Because otherwise my face is gonna be very visible and bloodied. I love that. Also, it's it's just like the <laughs> it's the crime dessert. You just did the big crime, now you're gonna do a little crime of stealing someone's sweatshirt. Yeah. Well, that came in a bit faster than I was expecting. 
I probably should I probably should have taken that note a bit more urgently when it showed up. Are you telling me? How am I getting this right? You had warning that that would happen, and you just didn't feel like telling us. You 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 weren't around at the time, and we also had a match we had to deal with. Yeah, he got like that message like ten minutes ago. It feels like. Yeah, we we and I was going to explain it more, but the message just said that. Ash was in town. I didn't realize that it meant that Ash was on his way to catch the champions rushing through the tunnels, you know? Yeah, only professionals are supposed to know about that. I'm really going to have to talk to Diego about security. I'm kidding. I don't really actually care about that part. (laughs) But yeah, it's not good that he was there. I'll just pretend to be moles. (laughs) You guys get the distinct impression that Ash is like the highest tier operator. If If he literally only needs a pithing needle to kill 50 SWAT guys. Like, you you don't think there's really anywhere you can hide from him, and there's really nothing you can do. He's going to keep coming for you. It's just, like, maybe you should stick together for a while. I guess if there's any other questions you have about him, feel free to ask while we're still in transit here. Why did he not want you to go to the Crown Corporation? The only reason I can think of is that there is some disagreement between... The company that he and, well, I used to work for, and Crown Corporation, which is a bit weird since the company I used to work for was in a completely different country as far as I know. <laughs> That's felt like it was for me to clarify. Yes, it is a different country, but um, the way he said it was that whatever it is about you that's special... It's essentially like competitive. Uh, what is it, what's the word I'm looking for? Trade secrets is the yeah. uh, industry term. It, you're very valuable to them mm-hmm. and would be very valuable to someone else. Although you you have no indication that Crown knows that. It is is what I'm wondering. Um, last time we all met up at mine, we we did some chatting, and you know I'm very I'm a very live and let live kind of guy. I wasn't gonna ask you know, people's things of their own, but there's that whole thing what you can do what normally would not be expected of you, and I am now wishing I had asked some follow-up questions about that. Is that what's going on here? Is that why they're after you? I don't know. He he was talking about how I was basically sick, how I was, I, there was something wrong with me, I'm malfunctioning or something, and at the same time, I can't fall into Crown Corp's hands. So I don't know what he's talking about. As far as I know, I was doing jobs with him. One day I spoke up about it, and then he dropped me off of a building. Oh, he let you go. <laughs> yes, that was that was intentionally meant to be a double entendre wow. there. I, I feel like... I- as as much of a good double entendre as it as it is, I feel like it's slightly lost on us that we didn't know the 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 story. That feels like it was a double entendre for someone that we weren't. But Lenora's gonna like clap him on the back and be like, "It's okay, buddy. We got you now. We got your back. No need to worry. Lenora's here. Just watch out where you're hitting. I'm still a bit uh, roughed up from that." My bad. I'm going to gently pat him on the head. I'm glad you guys didn't fight uh, Ash because you have two HP and I was really panicking about thinking of how he could injure you. Trust me, like you said, 
part of Ed's background is he's kind of a coward. So, and understandably so, especially around the guy who killed him the first time, is he's implying, but... That is, that is the implication. Like, uh, Ed, you've said, like, oh, I used to work in the game in another city, and I think maybe, like, it was left to the audience's imagination, the nature of that. Like, oh, it's just got another rough-and-tumble gang of, like, goofy uh, ne'er-do-wells like this one. Uh, I think now you should be disabused of that notion. Uh, the people Ed used to work with and for did not mess around. <laughs> that that would explain how he got out the first game. You only get out the game when you're dead. <laughs> In any case, are there any other questions you all have? I I don't want to hide anything. Yeah, like, I guess my question is, do you have any plan whatsoever on what to do when he turns up again? Because, like, sensible things we all stick together, but, like, what do we do when he, you know, turns up at my house or something? Maybe we should have, like, a big sleepover, but for, like, ever, not ever, but... <laughs> I don't know, maybe you shouldn't, like, stay home alone? Buddy system, like uh, like the scouts and shit. Of all the people I used to work with, he is he was the most likely to be sent out to come after me if anything happened, and the worst possible person to come after me if anything happened. You reached out to this guy recently, um, right? No, no, I did not reach out to Ash. That ne- no, that did not happen. I, I was trying to reach out to somebody to help us offload our gear and they my contact sent me a message back saying you're in danger ashes in town oh okay, okay so if i if i if i if i didn't contact that guy i would have never have known okay i would have just ran into him and i don't know what i, I don't know how i would have been able to handle myself i probably would have just ran away as soon as i saw him and that's another thing is that contact is still going to be around to help Ed. So I wonder if there's a way we can parlay this to not really get extra protection from Crown Corp, but this this whole thing has gotten a lot messier, though. And I'm not enthusiastic to have put us in additional danger, though. I guess, to be fair, it's not like he's coming after each of you. He only cares about me, whether it is to destroy me outright or to take me back. Oh, that's a good question. Are you guys going to tell Beatrice about this? Because you were led to believe that the Crown Corporation would want Ed as badly as whatever the other company wants him, which could put him in danger there. And also Beatrice said not to trust her. Um, But if you do want to try to get more protection, you could ask. I'm not saying you should do one or the other. I would say we could ask for protection without giving her the details of what happened. Just be like, oh, yeah, Graves is everywhere. Ed is now so paranoid about the entire situation because it's like as soon as he's sort of doing anything, bam, someone that scares him way more than Graves shows up. And uh, (laughs) Katarina's going to throw out there, you know, pretty soon we're about to be a half million dollars richer. Why don't we just pay for somebody to take care of your quote unquote friend? I, if you like wasting money, that's a great idea. No, I mean, like, Sass. pay an assassin. We're already deep in the crime stuff. Why not just go into... I, I don't think you understand. Did you hear what he did when we were on the way out? He is the person you would hire. <laughs> <laughs> there may be another one. There may be, like, a smash or something like that, and we pay for that guy. Who do you hire when you need to assassinate an assassin? More like smash him, all right? I, I would say there are better things we could be spending that on. 
Oh, I meant like your your share. You'd spend it on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, 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 it would it would be a waste of money to put it towards that. I'd rather pay off the pay off the mortgage and the property I'm on as well as I can and move somewhere else. So I don't endanger somebody by just living in the wrong place. You know. Why don't we move into you guys getting to Beatrice's office? Because I'm very interested in this question. It's kind of a binary question. Do you accept the consequences of letting her know what's going on? and ask for help or do you keep it to yourself and handle this on your own katarina was gonna say against it because there's no reason we really want to give her to want to look into anything further okay so i say no and ed's take he doesn't know why crown corp would want him and if we give them any sort of a tip off to investigate what ed is that's probably gonna be bad for him so he's 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 in the no let's not bring it up camp all right, so it sounds like you guys are going to keep that from Beatrice Beauregard for now, yeah. which is a, a totally valid and interesting choice. Uh, so you guys walk up to Beauregard Textiles. It's like almost midnight. It's very late. Like no one's there, but there's a guard outside who's expecting you, and they wave you through. You step into the elevator. The doors close. They go up, and then the second that they open, a bear just explodes through the open doors and tackles Lenora and starts l- yes. <laughs> licking her, making all kinds of good bear noises. Um, Lauren and I watched just a lot of bear videos and looked at a lot of pet bears, which is a real thing. Some good bears out there, y'all. There's some very good bears. One thing uh, while you're, you notice while Bird is licking you is that his breath smells like cigarettes. Bird, were you smoking? I mean, he was eating cigarettes. Why was he eating cigarettes? Who lets their bear eat cigarettes? Um, <laughs> there was actually a bear that was in the Polish army Yep. Um, named Wojtek. Uh, this was uh, a real thing, I swear to God. <laughs> Look it up. W-O-J-T-E-K. Uh, this bear, amongst other things, like to smoke and eat cigarettes. Proud of him. Coolest bear. He's very cool. Uh, this bear was, uh, I think, actually promoted during the war. Um, <laughs> he has a rank of corporal. Yeah. <laughs> He does. I love this bear. It's a real historical thing. The bear carry he his job was to carry munitions around. So a bear carrying a, a missile is the symbol of the 22nd Artillery Supply Company in the Polish military now, um, which is what this character is based on. I'm just I'm just putting it all out there. There's no reason to hide any of this. Um, so that's the thing about this bear. Bear facts. Bear facts. Um, so I think you guys walk into. Beatrice's office, uh, Lenora, you riding bird. <laughs> um, he's <laughs> he's very good. Uh, Beatrice is at her desk, like tapping away on her tablet, and she uh, doesn't look up as you come in and says, and she just says, uh, "So you lived. I assume that means you're successful, or you have your resignations." I'm going to throw the belt on uh, Bo's desk, and I'm just going to be like, "Sail on, bitch." <laughs> Make that the title without YouTube getting up my butt. Sail on, biatch. Binch. <laughs> Sail on, binch. Uh, Bo does not look scandalized or upset with you. She thought that was a pretty good line. Um, she smiles and like stands up from her desk and puts the belt on. And like Bo is wearing uh, just like a full on like tails tuxedo right now. It's it clashes horribly, but also it's kind of cool. And, like it's a- like her cummerbund. <laughs> <laughs> Lauren, you should probably just describe all the fashion for me because that's it's your... like the little like waist. It's like the thick waist thingy. And yeah, Bo looks amazing. 
Um, he actually reaches down into his desk, opens a drawer, and pulls something out and throws it down onto the desk in the same way you threw the belt, uh, Katarina, and says, and that's for you, bitch. Is it money? Ooh. Yeah, I'm going to look at it. Is it money? Is it the gun? Is it gun money? <laughs> Gunny? <laughs> Zenny? Gundam bling. You actually don't know what it is at first. It looks like a weird uh, piece of fabric, but then you like kind of open it and look at it, and it's it appears to be a pocket. Huh? Uh, Bo says, so we developed this a while ago. Um, I use it all the time. Some of the board members use it, but it was it's too much to release to the general public. Security concerns, you understand. But I think it's important that if you're going to work for me, you're more well equipped. In fact, hand me that harpoon. I'm going to get that telescoped for you so you can hide it on your person during runs. Oh, fuck yeah. And I'm going to like hand it the harpoon immediately. Can you make it look like, give it like some age to it too? Make it look like it's been at sea for a while? Sure, darling. I'll have, I'll have my, I'll have my best, uh. Artisans. Artisans. I was going to say best Tim Gunn. Is that the guy? <gasps> Tim Gunn. I was going to have my best Tim Gunn on it immediately. Um, the item she has given you is what is known in this universe as an infinite pocket, mm. but which D&D aficionados might know better as the bag of holding. Hooray. Yay. This would have been really useful on heist number one. Is this something that you have to sew onto something when you say, I, I'm sorry, I'm having trouble comprehending just seeing a pocket. Yeah. Like, I'm like, at what point can you take a pocket off the clothes that it doesn't just become fabric? It's, <laughs> listen, it's a bag, <laughs> but it's small. And yes, you would, you would oh, okay. cut out the pocket of an existing garment and sew it on. She can do that for you if you'd like. For those not familiar with the bag of holding, it's a classic D&D item which can hold uh, anything. It basically has infinite space. Uh, anything that fits through the mouth of the bag can go inside of it basically infinitely. Uh, the trick is if you turn it inside out to try to be clever, it breaks and becomes unusable. <laughs> so don't do that. Sweet. Thanks. I'm going to throw like gum and pocket change into it for the moment. <laughs> yeah, you, have, you basically have uh, an extremely useful item to use on future heists. She says, I, I didn't know if you guys were going to survive the first one, and I didn't want that getting out into the wild if you failed me. I, I did take out mm. just exorbitant life insurance policies on all of you. So it's bittersweet seeing you here again, but something tells me you're not going to be struggling to pay the rent. <laughs> <laughs> how How long do those policies stay out? And do we get any of that money if one of us were to, for any reason, die? <laughs> uh, I mean, you if you die, you don't get anything. No, that's not how insurance works, hun. <laughs> Who's uh, the beneficiary? Is it you? I, I am not in. I am not going to at in universe hint at one of us dying. Must be nice to always be in a position to win out, huh? Yeah, it rules. Mm -hmm. Next question. <laughs> also, corporate life insurance on employees is real. It's like once again, Austin being insecure. I think, wow, this is a real dickhole thing you made up, Austin. No, it's real. I swear. So Bo's done with you. She says, uh, "I'll call you when I need you guys again. Enjoy your time off. Uh, don't get caught for other crimes. <laughs> don't let Bird eat so many cigarettes. They're bad for him. He's got a stomach like a steel dumpster. Bad for bears." Bird goes, mm. give him meat and vegetables Oof. and honey. Mm. Yeah, he likes the honey. Do you hear that? <laughs> Theoretically, I want to ask Bo if we took something from a police officer during the game, <laughs> is it still cool to have it outside of the game? 
or is that illegal? We stole Graves' gun, and I want to keep. And I want to keep. <laughs> um, instead of instead of answering that question, can I can I pitch you a scene to end this episode on? Yes. All right. So after this, you guys take the subway back home. You're 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 off scot free because you have basically touched base. Uh, the cops can no longer touch you. I think you all go back to the quarter round for drinks to wind the night down, and also because you for safety reasons, need to stick together while Ash is out there. Um, you guys are drinking in the arcade. Cundy, uh, you know, comes down, checks on you guys, locks up, goes to bed, and, and there's a knock at the door. Uh-oh. I'll get it. <laughs> I wanted to be grave so bad, hat in hand. Like, can I get my gun back? Uh, it's very close. Katarina, <laughs> you open the door, and uh, there's nobody there, but on the steps outside of the arcade, there is a drone with a note put onto it with a ribbon, like a big oversized pink ribbon. Okay, well, I'll look at the note. I want the ribbon. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you open, uh, you take the ribbon off, hand it to Lenora, you open the note, and it says, can I have my gun back? <laughs> Can, can I scribble a note? Um, and I'm really sorry about this, Lenora. I'm going to have to ask for the ribbon back for this. No. Just, just hear what I, I, I have written on this note and see if 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 this is a a good reason to take your ribbon back. I want I want to send back a note in place of the gun. Um, and the note's just going to say, "You can maybe have your gun back when you pay the medical bill for shooting me in the stomach." All right, as you're writing that, the drone comes to life and it says, Hello, I'm ButlerBot. <laughs> Do you remember me? You took out my memory chip and left me for dead. <gasps> hey, I didn't leave you for dead. That's what I was programmed to think. <laughs> oh, well, you were programmed wrong, sweetie, but you're still very cute and I love you. I don't have anywhere to go. Come here. <laughs> you can live with me. You're my friend now. <laughs> I'm only allowed to live with you if you trade me for the gun. That, that's what I've been programmed to say. <laughs> Can we give him the gun? Fucking, I'm ripping the robot's core out. No, I'm killing it. I'm no, gonna rip it down. No, no, we are we are having we are having butler bot because I'm Lenora will tackle her. No, no, no. Before Katarina does that, I'm going to impose that Marty comes down the stairs and just jumps on the drone and just like curls up and I like the the final image of this episode is Katarina and Lenora fighting over whether or not to trade the robot for the gun, and Marty goes zooming away on the drone. <laughs> He's just like riding it around, like cats riding a Roomba, just doing like flips and stunts while you, everyone else argues. Yep. Frank's just there holding the medical bill. Like I don't care what we do, but somehow he's paying my bill. <laughs> You you can keep the robot. I'm keeping the gun though too. So I just want to know we're we're apparently taking both. <laughs> Austin. Are you excited to read credits? I love reading the credits. 
It's my all-time favorite pastime. Even more than petting cats? No. Well, then you lied. You just lied to all the listeners. Well, I forgot about petting cats, I guess. (laughs) Always be petting. They're so soft. Bellies and they attack. It's a weird thing. It is. I have a lot of music credits this month because we have a wrestling arc and entrance music is a necessary element. So I'm going to do this right now. We have our normal intro music, New Jack Mantle, an arrangement of the mantle from Nights into Dreams. We have music of funk, an arrangement of stage one Gotham City from Batman. We have linear groove, an arrangement of A type and B type from Tetris, as well as, and here we go, Geofractura, an arrangement of Fracture Zone from Echo the Dolphin. <laughs> Spaghetti Cowboy, an arrangement of Stage 1 background music from Gunsmoke. The Clock Tower, an arrangement of Interruption from Luigi's Mansion, Dark Moon. Fan- <laughs> Funky Bukas, an arrangement of Bazaar <laughs> from Earthbound. And Madcap Magma, an arrangement of Hothead Bop from Donkey Kong Country 2. You named them all. I did that. Now it's your turn to name some stuff. Okay. Here are the producers. That's what they do, right? That's what it is. Yeah, executive producers for the month of January 2018 are... Oh, God, it's a new year. Oops. We just continue moving forward. Inexorable. Uh, (laughs) Okay, I'm going to start reading names. Are we going back and forth? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Ex Deliris. (laughs) Kerstine Haslinger. (laughs) Joseph Tombrello. Jade. Brent. The Cult of Orphanax. Paul Mullen. Dr. Goatman. Toshiro Kuro. Andrew Grothen. Levi the Young. Kevin Dobbins. Anthony Sever. Morgan Rapp. Madison Lilith McKenzie. Notorious Stoltz. Victoria Melito. Scotty Vilhard. Aline. Brickfire. Marble Toast. Criterion. Wren. Einar Johansson. Carter Rayner. Major Tem. Matthew B. Hare. Jorgen Indie Monster Winwick Ford. <laughs> Josie G. Gazay. Razumi Yazura. Albert West. Jason. Ken Furstel. Eleanor No Nante Sees Periton. Scott Cummings. <laughs> that was a pause you did there. <laughs> Starlight Glimmer did nothing wrong. Jew Manjack. Mel Tiche. Arjun DeKonig. Grimlock. John Potts. Dawson Parr. Noah Sudret. Ziphosaurus. Elderly Goose. Salad Child. Seraph Stone. Thorsten Gross. Devin Smith. Caster UK. Aki Savalinen. The Paladin's Wife. Florian H. Amanda Linetti. Junk 2.0. Rebecca Hadsel. Dominic Bowden. Melissa Nielsen. Don. Eugene T. Connor Reynolds. Brett Holcomb. Artemis, BJJ, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu in Bristol. Gosh. <laughs> Francois V. Shanus. Dennis Pancake Detlefson. Miko Kiriokongus. Dennis Bankston. Josh Moger. Moger? I tried. <laughs> Indigo Van Dane. Allison Ansel. Sydney Marzing. Just a jester. Savarden Akrasimova. Brady Warner. Kitty Foe. James Neely. Marissa Donaldson. M. Joe. Lana Seawolf. Toby Gleason Stack. Matthew Weber. Sarah Hanley. Melissa Booker. Cameron Abbas. Dylan. Anna Stolfar. Sean, the host of Funk Dunk Plays. Harrison Andrew. Kevin Sidlow. Christopher Charlow. Jorrit. Vigar Arnston. 
Cody Jackson. August Rue. Luke Powers. Hedrian Master. Erwin Layla Godek. You tried. Aw. I was pretty good. Michael Hall. Ingmar Gremmen. Oh, a big list. A big list this month. Thankfully, blessed. Thanks, my dudes. For a hand emoji. We also have to thank uh, Johnny Maloney. Oh, for his special guest poetry slam. His <laughs> Yes. Uh, all rights reserved for all his good poetry and work. Um, thank you, Johnny. Uh, I would have as many players as possible on the show if it were feasible. We can't add anymore, but we do love Johnny, so we try to get him involved. I think it worked out pretty well. Yeah, if we had any more, I think you would literally die. What else do we say during this part? Uh, Podbean, iTunes, Google Play, YouTube. <coughs> a sneeze. A sneeze, yeah. So uh, subscribing and commenting and rating, and doing sneezing. all those things. Sneezing. You gotta sneeze. Just let it out. Patreon for you and Chris. Weekly manga recap and Austin Yorski. I know things. You do know things. And of course, Laura is at kotaku.co.uk. I don't know why I can't pronounce that word. Kotaku. Kotaku? Yeah. You do have a hard time. Or she's Laura K. Buzz. Everywhere. 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 And Skitch is Michael Skitchiano. And what's his bandcamp? Is skitch.bandcamp.com, is it not? I believe so. It'd be embarrassing if we were wrong. Oh, God, I hope not. I'm sorry, Skitch. Special thanks to your cats, who are <laughs> guest stars this season. Do you want to give them a shout out? Uh, there's Zelda, mm-hmm. who is weird. Awesome. And there's Anna, who is a fucking dumbass. <laughs> who likes bread. <laughs> she will steal bread. No, but nobody's bread is safe. 